0: Hello, I'm Alexandria Treasure, and thank you for joining me for this episode of Step Pivot, the resilience of regional business. I'm going to be casting the spotlight each week on an incredible regional business, sharing their story and the amazing work they are doing here in regional Australia, even in the most trying of times. We're back today with another episode of Step Pivot and we're joined this morning by Rochelle Olson from Rochelle Olson Wellbeing, who helps people understand and manage their emotional wellbeing and build resilience. Rochelle is a wellbeing consultant and health practitioner, a consultant pharmacist by trade, who supports people through loss. This could mean loss of identity or loss of a loved one. Her passion is working with women, their partners, families and friends through pregnancy and infant loss to help them embrace life and find grace. Rochelle is a lamplighter for others, shining light into the darkness and helping them find their way through grief. In 2016, Rochelle and her husband Robert lost their firstborn son Edward at only 7 hours old. From then, her life was split into two, BE before Edward and AE after Edward. She lost her will to survive, her confidence and her identity. Slowly, with a lot of hard work, she was able to find a way forward, and she believes you can too. Now, her work spans from helping individuals understand and manage their emotional well-being and building resilience, to supporting friends and family reaching out to those in grief through resources and gifts, and helping baby loss parents move from isolation to understanding by creating a strong community of parents after loss. I have worked with Rochelle in a few different capacities over the years, and more recently, as she launched her incredible new business, and I am thrilled to have her here today to share her story. Welcome, Rochelle. Thank you, Alex. Good to be here. Before we jump in and get started, can I ask you to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Well, I can give you the me in a nutshell story.
1: Um, I was brought up in Hilston, so Western New South Wales, very remote. Work, went right through school there. Went and did pharmacy in Wagga <clears throat> over twenty years ago. Now you're doing the numbers, is bit, which is yeah, which is a bit nerve wracking to say. Um, and then I moved to Dubbo to do my internship at the hospital here. Did that. Did some retail work, a bit of locum work. I've been everywhere, man. Um, I ended up going to Port Augusta for a locum for twelve months, and that changed my life. That was amazing. Um, I worked in remote Aboriginal communities. I flew out every week with the RFDS and um, did some amazing clinical work and education work out there.
0: What an incredible opportunity. Yeah, it was
1: amazing. So don't even know how I was lucky enough to come across it, but I just was. Um, come back to Doe I ended up back in retail and I bought into a shop Settled down and married a local boy and did all of those things. Um, And after about I think eight years in the shop, which was a little pharmacy in South I we lost Edward, um, our firstborn son. And so when I fell pregnant with Jock, our little pocket-rocket that we have now, who's nearly three, I sold the shop and decided to stay at home and, and enjoy my time with him. So, but Deep down, I was needing a community, and I was needing after seeing eighty patients a day and staff and the the fluid nature of pharmacy. I needed to find some people, and um, I went into a co-working space and and found them and started developing what I'm doing today. So, yeah, quite a journey yeah. over the yeah. last twenty years. Yes, you summarised it very briefly. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, So I guess before we get stuck into the business and how it all started, what made you decide to speak so openly about your baby loss experience? I still think it's a very taboo subject and it's very hard for people to talk about. So why are you happy to
1: step up? It's absolutely still taboo and it is getting better. It's definitely getting better. Maybe it's because I am on this side of it, but... I, I've never been a, I've always been an outspoken person, um, from university right through, <laughs> anyone who knows me knows that I'm not afraid to talk in front of crowds and I'm not, I'm not afraid of any of that. When I lost Edward, I become extremely quiet and I knew there was something about that and it was external, not internal, it was just be quiet and just sit with your emotions and just don't. Don't talk to people, don't make other people uncomfortable about this. It's not their fault you lost a baby, you know, that sort of thing. So for a long time I didn't say anything and I didn't speak very openly and I would hide in my shop and if i seen someone I knew that didn't know that I'd had him or whatever. And um, I ended up, so I worked a lot with my emotions with essential oils and I ended up going home to a, a wellbeing day in Hilston and where there was about 60 women and I was just talking about emotional resilience and using tools, really simple tools and tips to to help emotions and I just, in my introduction, um, mentioned that I was mum to Edward and Jock and that Edward wasn't with us any longer but Jock's here, was there amongst us on the day and it's the first time I ever mentioned it in front of people and I had three people, two that I knew, see most of these people knew me since I was a kid. Um, two people that i would known nearly all my life come up and say they had stillborns, and I would never have known it. My mum never knew it. Like, it just, um, it blew my mind that they felt comfortable to come and tell me that one of them, you know, I would known at school, and, like, it was just crazy. And I I thought, you know what? They shouldn't have to wait for me to say something before they feel like they can talk to you about their lost baby, another another girl had lost a little boy. Um, and it really struck home with her that I actually said the words out loud.
0: It takes one
1: person to start yeah. the wheel. Yeah, so there's three people. So that night after bawling my eyes out to my mum because we're <laughs> in the little motel across the room, across the way, I um, I thought there's something in this because in that 60 women There has to have been about 15 that have had a loss of some sort because the stats are one in four miscarriage or pregnancy loss that's not stillborn and infant loss and um, sorry neonatal loss and yeah I thought there's there's 15 women three of them come up to me you know who were the other 12 like they're in a tiny little town
0: that can they not speak about it or Yeah. yeah Do you think, it was interesting that you said to you it was external. Do you think the conversation is still making other people uncomfortable because they don't know how to react or respond? Yes, that's what it is. Yeah. What do I say? What do I give them? What do I do for them? I'm so sad for them. You know, yeah. So... Is that a lot of the work you're doing now? Are you helping people learn how to approach the subject with the people in their lives? Yeah, so that's a big part of
1: what I want to do is to work with language. And to be honest, it, it's, it isn't mainly baby lost parents I hear from, it is the friends and family. And what do we do for them? And how do we say this? Open? I send resources off all the time, you know, so that's why I developed a website so that I could. Just put resources there for family and friends that says hey my friends lost a baby what do I do for them what do I say what don't I say that's the thing and I think the thing is um, the days of if you don't have anything nice to say don't say it at all is gone you need to let these people know they're not alone and say something even if it is I'm really
0: sad for you I'm so sorry for your loss it's better to acknowledge it than to ignore it. Exactly. Even if you're not saying, I'm using inverted commas. but yeah. Even if you're not saying the right thing, it's better. That's right. Than try it. try to acknowledge it um, without,
1: yeah, without playing it down or and never use the word at least. Yeah. Never start a sentence with at least with a baby lost mum. <laughs> Yeah, I can tell you, you could think of all the examples. I was just wondering,
0: when you said it, I was like, oh, and then I started doing the examples in my head and I was like, mm. yeah, it, it's really hopeful. But that's where the learning about language and reaching
1: out to someone who has been there, who's happy to talk about it before you talk to your friend. Yeah. Yeah. Find out the few little things you can say which is really just acknowledging it. If they've named their baby, use the baby's name because that means you're not going to remind them that the baby died, like they haven't forgotten that. So use the baby's name and say, I'm so sorry I, I, that you lost Edward, like would have loved to have met him, you know, something like
0: that. Yeah. Just, just a beautiful little something. Can I ask then, how did you cope with the conversations initially while you were still in the pharmacy? Because I imagine... And I'm sorry if that's difficult, but I imagine the conversations would have been so difficult for you. Yeah, it was really difficult. And that's why I ended up leaving. Yeah. Um, Because it didn't go
1: away. Because I had a beautiful community. You know what my pharmacy was like. I had the most beautiful little oldies. I, But you were the centre of that community. Yeah, and I knew all those people and I'd seen the kids grow up and they'd watched me fall pregnant and get bigger and fatter. And then all of a sudden I'm back there and I'm crying and I'm miserable and... What do we say? But then one the, the next person to walk in hasn't been in for six months because they've been on holidays to Queensland. And they're like, hey, oh, you had the baby. What would you have? And it's like floodgates. <laughs> they're not to know. So yeah. I, it, it was a really big struggle, really big struggle to between um, I, luckily, you know, I had staff that knew to kind of protect me a little bit from it. Um, I had to do lots of self-protection and work on myself before I went, but, yeah, some people would just blow me away because I'd I'd think I'd got through the day and someone would say something and it would be the end of it again. But, yeah, it was was difficult to have those conversations. Um, I could do them now, but I couldn't back
0: then. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the point for you, and I know you spoke about that event, but at Mm. what point did you say, this is a business. This is Yeah. Okay. I, I want this to become rashells and well-being. How did that yeah. develop? So this is this is an interesting part because it began actually before I lost Edward, Wood
1: in the way that I was working with essential oils for my emotional well-being. Yeah. Um I had started introducing them natural alternatives and things like that into my shop um, into the pharmacy which is also a little bit taboo for a pharmacy to be having essential oils and bush essences and things like that, but I just had all these mums coming in that were sick of Explicit content a chemical shitstorm being put into their kids when it maybe wasn't needed or Was there something else that that could support that illness or whatever was going on at the time? And I wanted to provide it for them. I started studying herbal medicine. I really um, was on track with finding who I was and what I wanted to do. I love crystals. I do Reiki. I do love you do Reiki? Yeah, I'm a Reiki master and teacher. I never knew that. <laughs> so I was working with emotions long before this happened and it still didn't half prepare me for what happened. But I think the turning point was when I called Julian Kilby and said, I want to light up this beautiful clock tower that you've Built or you've restored, um, because I think there's more people out there that need they need support. And that was last year. That was last October, fifteen, and she said yes, and then I was like, oh shit, (laughs) now I have to do it. I've committed. She's like, I love that, Um, and I call that the night I came out of the baby lost closet. Because beautiful metaphor. Yeah, because I my friends and family and people who knew me knew that it had happened. But I think there's still some people were still frightened to talk to me about it. They, like, you know, cause I had another son by then. Yeah. Um, so that clock tower event really showed that I was there for the community and Julia is the one that, of course I panicked about it and thought I'd done all the wrong things and I shouldn't have, um, you know, this is a private matter and, you know, is my husband going to hate me for bringing this up and, um, all of that. And Jill was like, wow, how great for your business. I'm like, oh, <laughs> never thought about it from a business perspective that they might realise that I'm there for them with services and things like that. I just wanted to light it up and build that awareness. So we had over 100 people turn up to that, mums and dads and brothers and sisters. And it was the most beautiful night that I can remember.
0: Just gorgeous. Yeah. And that was the turning point for you. It was like I think it a- was the,
1: the point I went. Oh, there's 110 people there that potentially could use my service, that want to be part of a pals community, that that have have had there were girls drove from Canemble to see that. So it was just lovely to know that maybe I was on the right track, and that so that was the turning point where I had to start thinking. How is that a business and not just uh, me turning up and raising awareness? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and getting it to that point. Yeah. Which is interesting because I know it was a conversation we had personally, mm-hmm. I think, when you first came to us when you were talking mm-hmm. about launching the business mm-hmm. and we were talking about gaps in the lost world and connection being one of them. And I know you said there are services in Sydney which help support people in the cities, but regionally, Mm. it's really difficult to get that same level of service or support and it's something quite unique and needed. So what gaps are you trying to fill? Yeah, so definitely community and connection. Um,
1: I know we talk about COVID all the time. We've already had a COVID chat, but that has... I mean, all of the services in Sydney and Brisbane and wherever wherever, have always been a phone service um, or had a chat box or whatever. It's not um, the same. It's not the same, no, it's not. So we have a beautiful service here, in NALAG, which is the National Association of Loss and Grief, who I also um, volunteer with. But they, um, there's only so much they can do. And I wanted to build a community of baby lost parents. I wanted them to know they're not alone. Um, and I wanted to give them a voice because there's so many of us have been quietened. Um, I also f- think there, a, uh, there needed to be more understanding in general, like the Hilston example was, is what I keep referring back to because that is that rural and remote um, example that it's just, you know, and there's such such resilient people out there, so tough and so resilient and so beautiful that they would just get on with it and and they've got this broken heart that they've maybe talked to their mum about with, you know, it's just, it's really tough. And in my mind, they're the gaps that need to be filled is, is that community and connection, no matter where you are. So a little pals group of a few people here and three in Narromine, is better than having to ring a, ring a hotline to me personally. Absolutely. Yeah, to know. so, um, But also a lot of professionals, health professionals, I mean I've worked with a lot of fantastic health professionals for my own health still. Um, I believe you can be helping and getting helped still at the same time. Um, the journey's never over but A lot of it is reactive. So you go to the health professional and this is how I felt last week and the week before and this was going on and they're they're a really great sounding board and they they might tell you what you did wrong or what not wrong but, you know, what was really helpful. Um, But I think a lot of people are just looking for simple, practical tools and tips to just cope. And it's not simple enough some of the stuff that they're that you're referred to after something like this is so complex and you just want simple (laughs) you do and i think
0: you're also like everyone's looking for answers after something happens so you're looking for answers
1: and you're looking for community but you find yourself just incredibly isolated
0: Going down the barrel of chat rooms online and yes. Dr. to Google, which yeah. I think is the most Facebook groups. I mean, dangerous. I mean, I have rabbit done, hole. Yeah, Exactly.
1: I have done a Facebook group. I have a Facebook group for our um, parents after loss group, Pals group. Um, but it's isolating, it's debilitating, it's painful like it's all of those things. And there might be one other person in your group that understands maybe what happened. Your friend's circle becomes tiny. It's like, I don't know if you've seen that movie, Meet the Fuckers and the Circle of Trust. Yes. It just becomes tiny because you just don't have the energy for anything else.
0: So at the time you most need people, it is the most isolating experience. Yep. Yep. And a lot of it comes down to we don't know what to say
1: or do for her and him.
0: And that's probably an interesting question because it's not – like I understand the loss is far more personal to the woman, but the loss still affects the Uh father. And I assume it's much harder for that conversation to start for men. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think um, I've always been very open that both – that any services I have are for mums or dads, Um, but I'll admit it's the mums that reach out. It's all mums that I've seen. Um, but, yeah, men grieve too and they have terrible time after the baby's lost. Plus they have the added responsibility of they have to keep going and working and doing all of that. So, yeah, it's really difficult. I feel like my husband and I have talked a lot about it and he feels like he spoke to his workmates and stuff pretty well about it.
0: That's wonderful. Yeah,
1: so um, they were understanding of what had happened and um, and empathetic towards it. Um, but if he'd said to them, I just want to work today, that's what they did because men are nice like that. <laughs> Whereas I'd be like, yeah, I want to work, but deep down I want to cry and I want to do this and I want to go home and I,
0: you know. And it was interesting. I remember coming to one of your earlier workshops and I remember you said... You were talking about Robert and then Mm. you had said that you were happy to share what was really your story, like it was both yours and Robert's story, and you had projected feelings onto him about Mm. he's going to be upset that I'm sharing this or – and he wasn't. No, but I had to ask him. (laughs) So
1: I – it was a cocktail event. I was – Panicking that I'd, I'd put this out into the world. I was on the front page of the local paper and I was panicking about everything. Um, and I nearly wanted to pull out because I thought Robert's going to hate all this. And I said to him one day, Are you okay with this? He said, Yeah, it's cool. I was like, Oh, <laughs> I had such a long answer planned to come out of your mouth. And, you know, like, I, yeah, I projected my fears and thoughts and things onto him he was fine. And he was fine with it. So I just had to ask. Communication. <laughs> <laughs> At the heart of everything we do. Mm. But the one other thing I wanted to say about gaps is that um, in pertaining to regional, rural, remote, is that, I mean, well, for example, I'll just give you some stats because it's interesting to know. One in four pregnancies end in miscarriage or, or pregnancy loss. In 2016, i always refer to that because that's the year I lost Edward, there was almost 3,000 babies died, um, 2,107 were stillborn, 742 were neonatal, which means within the first 28 days of life. So that's about seven a day, and that is an even higher rate in Indigenous mums, remote and very remote. So these services that are not in regional Australia need to be desperately. Yeah, because we're actually more at risk out here. Um, I don't know the full reasons why. Obviously, I do. Well, obviously, isolation is one of them. Um, but that's seven babies a day, which was double the road toll that year. It's it's massive. So that's you know three thousand families affected.
0: In one year. And I think I've had conversations with friends and I think what you come to realise is that no matter what point it happens, mm. it doesn't change the fact that during that time you've pictured a whole new life. Oh, that's right. With this little person that you don't know and you've never met, but you were yeah. pictured an entirely different life. Yeah. And it just gets pulled out from under you. Yeah. And
1: losing your elderly and losing your parents and things like that, they say is nature but it is still horrible and you lose a whole past but when you lose a child or a baby you lose their future and that's what's hard because you keep getting little reminders every year with other friends that have had babies that year or when the due comes or when
0: school starts or you know and you always know yeah you always know the milestones of where oh, yeah. you would be at and. yeah 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 exactly I read something on your website that really made me stop and think for a little while because I loved it, but you have talked about the concept of grace after loss, and I would love you to explain it and talk about it and mm. what it means to you. Yeah. So
1: <clears throat> I I didn't want Edward's loss to define me as a lost mum. I didn't want to be just known as that... Um, but it has completely changed me, obviously, and it has shaped me to who I am. And I started searching for, like, a reason, you know, a, to me, a really good definition of what finding meaning and purpose was. And I've come across this definition of grace, which has also always had um, a religious affiliation to me. But um, – and I'm not – I'm not religious. So I I thought, well, it's not that. But then I found this this meaning, which is bring honour or credit to somebody or something by one's attendance or participation. So not only did I want that grace in my life, um, you know, to honour Edward and my other little lost babies because I've had two other miscarriages, but... I wanted other people to honour their lost ones, um, or their losses, by
0: participating in life again. That's so beautiful.
1: Yeah, because that's
0: how I read it. I read it like, I'm honouring him by participating in life. And is that hard to, like, in the initial stages of the grief and the loss, it's hard to... All you want to do is shut down. And so,
1: That's why finding grace to me um, with a client is finding those little sparks of light that might light them up a little bit enough to see that there can be light back in their life after such traumatic, dark times. Um, And I should say, like, the loss, um, it's not only baby loss, it's not only... Um, pregnancy loss, there's loss of identity, there's loss of job, like look what we've just been through, divorces. Like there's so many things that um, can just pull the rug out from under your feet and you can feel that grief. I mean, we're collectively grieving as a world at the moment
0: for the world we've lost. It's We're all adapting to what I keep referring to as a new normal. Yeah, I call it the unnormal. That's probably an even better term. I don't think any of us know what we're doing. We're about to
1: unnormal. And so we've all lost something in this last few months, somewhere. Um, Some losses have been huge, but it's important to acknowledge that a loss is a loss. Whether it's someone's worse off than you, that's not necessarily true. The most important loss is yours. So... When I when I say find grace, I don't always refer to it as um, as somebody or honouring someone or honouring your baby because it might be honouring something. It might be honouring your past of some sort. Yeah, that's my definition of
0: grace. Can I ask, going off script, how do you how do you help people find that? As in. I, the, the dark, I don't want to call it a dark hole, that's probably a terrible term. But how do you, when you're, I imagine, still, like you're always going to be going through your loss and grieving, how do you use that to help people? Is that hard for you? It's not hard for me,
1: it's hard for them. Yeah. So I go through a process of working through uh, their grief and... Um, different areas of their life, trying to find things they used to do that may still be doable. Some things definitely aren't still doable. Um, There's a lot of secondary losses with with loss, which is family and friends and jobs and careers and all sorts of things happen. Um, So it's a matter of someone externally looking at your areas and your factors of fulfilment and finding out, what it is you need to take the next step
0: yeah to take one step outside eyes on that yeah 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 Yeah. um so something else i wanted to touch on so your gifts of grace Mm -hmm. which is a concept you've created and it's on your website and it's absolutely beautiful so it's a range of curated gifts that people can purchase for their friends going through a loss or they can also just purchase it off the website and it becomes a donation. So you pass it on to someone, I assume, in Western New South Wales Mm -hmm. who is experiencing loss and needs it. So how did you come up with this concept? And tell me why it's so important. People need to get behind it because I love
1: it. (laughs) It's so important. Um, To me, it is so important. Now, um, I look back at the things I get asked. Once people knew that I was open to being asked questions, I get quite a lot of inquiries from friends or acquaintances who then have someone lose a baby. And the most common question I get asked, or questions, is what do I send them? I want to send them a little gift. What can I send them? Um, and what do I say? How do I talk to them? What do I say? Where Do I, do I write on their Facebook page? Do I message them? You know, so I, I went internally looked back and I was like you know flowers are beautiful and they are gorgeous but they're very overwhelming when you receive 10 to 15 bunches and you then have to manage those bunches in their various stages of dying um which is a horrible way to look at it but I just remember thinking I would have I think I would have loved to receive like, the couple of things i got that were practical, I, I always remember. Because yep. I think, oh, I remember that too. I really like that. Or, you know, so, like I said, loss is not just baby loss. It's loss of identity, losses of jobs. Um, and I just think we, we need to give something that is nurturing towards that. And that's what I aim to do with this. And I also because we're going through such a shitty time in the world at the moment, I wanted it to be handmade artisan stuff that supports other little businesses. Which um, is so important right now. Oh, Absolutely, and i found the most amazing <laughs> little businesses to help me out. Um, and, you know, yeah, I just think if we can click on somewhere, get a beautiful gift put together that's wrapped up beautifully, and for that person to receive it and then be able to do something practical with it, like make a cup of tea and have a few minutes grace with their cup up um, to reflect or to just have a break, um, I think that makes it really special
0: for them. And so, have you had any feedback so far on how the gifts have been received from the people who've got yeah, them? Yeah, so um, I have quite a
1: range of gifts on there. Some are specific to baby loss, and some are more you know, general, um, but the, the specific baby loss ones have really um, had great feedback. They've had, uh, we have a special book on there that's to work through, no matter what stage you lost a baby or a child. And um, I've had a couple of mums write back and say, this has helped me so much, you know, to be able to reflect yep. um, and journal all of that down. Um and a couple of the other gifts that we've sold, just thank you so much for such a beautiful gift turning up. Like, it was just lovely. And I think you do need, like, a nice little beautiful thing to happen to you when such dark, horrible times are happening. It reminds you that there's still that. There's still nice, good people. In the world. Yeah. Um And to, to receive an appropriate kind of... um gift that's been curated just for someone like you that's been through what you've been through can be really special.
0: How do you feel being able to turn such a heart-wrenching loss in your life into Mm -hmm. something so incredible for other people? I, this is your opportunity to give yourself some credit. Yeah, (laughs) and I
1: find that really difficult to give myself credit for that because, but you know, uh, with COVID and things being really quiet and um, difficult, and I do lots of pharmacy work still, or a bit of pharmacy work still. Um, I remember one night being really sad, as I just want this to work for Edward. You know, to remember him, and that's that's what this is about. Is my grace is this project and this this, is your this way of business? Monitoring. Yeah, yeah. So I know that those books that we've sent out and those gifts that we've sent out um, uh, have got him at the forefront of my mind going, you know, this is because of him that you're getting that.
0: Yeah. That's a beautiful way to on the Yeah,
1: and there's another beautiful um, saying that I am because you were, and that's how I feel. I am who I am now because he existed. So, yeah, I think getting these gifts out there to me is a way of just really honouring him as well, but also honouring all those mums and all those other little lost souls because, I mean, we do all deserve that grace and something beautiful in horrible times.
0: And mm. I guess speaking of horrible times, mm. and we've touched on it, but obviously, as you said, we're grieving in the world at the moment in a different context. So the work you do covers supporting people and their emotional well-being in a range of circumstances which includes grief and loss of identity and I think everyone is experiencing a little piece of that at the moment so do you think we're putting more pressure on ourselves than ever like are we losing touch because of stress or why did you develop programs outside of the baby loss space? Yeah we are ragged we're run ragged and we're We're
1: not giving ourselves any time to process emotions or, you know, then they physically manifest. We have, um, I have a beautiful video that I show in my workshops that's called Oil for Your Lamp and it just explains that we can't be the web, we can't be the light for our family, we can't um, be the carer for our family, we can't do anything for them unless we've got oil in our lamp. And I just think when times are so tough, we don't we don't put oil in it, and we just we run dry and we get burnt out. And um, yeah, I found I was piloting um, the staff wellbeing project before COVID, um, just because the environment the work environments are changing so rapidly and we're not used to that no you know like our parents well grandparents had the same job their whole life usually our parents may have had two to three you know it's it's just now now, something like 20 don't we yeah it's crazy number yeah and it's it's not anything to do with loyalty it's just that it's okay
0: you just that's what you do back then that's what you did um because yeah. it's actually that's one of the programs I'm really excited for, and I know we've touched base briefly and I said I'm <laughs> gonna do it. I just added to the team. That's good. Because I guess as a small business owner yourself, how did you develop the program? Is it from your experience in owning small businesses yourself, or why do you think it's something that businesses should be oh, prioritizing? It's both. I've I've both worked for shitty bosses and I'm pretty sure I've been a shitty boss at times.
1: I so don't think to be a shitty boss. Uh, well I mean, there's times that the business just takes over
0: and you are maybe not respecting what your staff needs as much as you should. It's a really hard balance. Yeah. It's a hard balance to run a good, sustainable business that is doing well yeah. and be prioritising. As well as being empathetic and being friendly and... Then dealing with life. stuff you've got going on in your own life. Yeah. yeah. You're a human being as well. That's it. So
1: I... I just know that I've never seen well-being put as a priority in a business that I've worked in. Um, and I did, I always wanted my staff involved, um, and I always wanted to treat them, like whether it meant I got them coffee or you know, whatever. Um, but I never put into place a well-being plan, which now looking back would have been fantastic, because we were there with ill people all day and we were the ones that were stressed. So um, I wanted to create a program that makes wellbeing a priority, but easy for the boss. Because I take on all the work for you. (laughs) (laughs) Which is exactly what we wanted. So, and it comes from a place of um, your staff then know that you do care about them. It's just that you don't have the resources or the tools help them personally individually every single one of them Um, but there's this program we're going to start and every 12 months or so we're just going to all check in.
0: So I was going to say explain what does the program look like? Yeah
1: so each staff member gets a a well-being plan individualized um, and then the employer gets a plan for the business so very um, simple three things that are going really well three things that might be improved um, and there's always patterns that show up you know so it's fairly easy to spot once you've talked to everyone including the boss gets one as well so um, and then you choose a level of service that you want if you want them to check in in six months time or 12 months time or if you want a three monthly quick check-in you know it's up to the up to you. Depends how much value you find in it. Um, but it's, it's well worth it. I think um, I, my first people were the exchange, yeah. Julian. So I um, became their wellbeing partner basically in the exchange and it was amazing. It was a great experience and everyone got something different out of it because everyone is so different. We're all looking for something different. Yeah. 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 So you come out of it with a, with a bespoke plan for your business, which is going to be completely different to Julian's at the Exchange and completely
0: different to, you know, Joe Boy down the road. So, yeah. And I think, I guess now more than ever, but I've always looked at it that the happier my staff are, I think oh. the better work we're producing, the better we are for our clients. It's just... And that's it. And you spend so much time at work. If you're not enjoying your time in your office, in your workplace... Yeah. There's a, you're going to have a fundamental problem. Yeah. And wellbeing
1: is so important for productivity and for, like you said, like just emotional resilience. Headspace, movement.
0: clarity. Yeah. Yep. I've had a few conversations lately that when I've had a bit of a chance lately to scale back, and it's something I'm trying to take out of COVID and forward because the less I do, the better I'm doing things. Yeah which sounds crazy, but- better you can focus. focus. Yeah. Yeah. You can, which is good. So, and then I promise we'll stop talking about COVID, but it has been an extremely bizarre and isolating time. And I think given your industry and where you focus, it would have been very interesting for you, like on all sides of what you do. So I'm interested to know, what did COVID look like for you, your business, your consulting? Yeah. So for me, who was
1: developing a business surrounding community and connection and face-to-face and warmth and empathy, I had to go to Zoom. And that was really difficult for me because I was like, we, my pals were just starting to get together and having our, our Sunday brunches and coffee together and um, we had to go to a Zoom kind of format, which isn't the same,
0: um, it's only the same. For anyone who sees <laughs> Zoom, it has a place. It has a place, but it's not... It's
1: not the same as having coffee with your mate at the coffee shop. No. There is no so, connection on Zoom. No. So um, it was pretty full on because I then had my two-and-a-half-year-old at home. My programs were starting to take off, and um, I basically had to put a caveat in that said, also, I have my two-and-a-half-year-old at home. Any time he takes away from our session, I will promise I will pay you back at the end or, you know. Um, but it did give me that opportunity to know that things like the staff wellbeing program could work, that it, we could do that via Zoom with each an individual. Um,
0: so does it expand your audience then? You don't
1: have to be so focused. I don't have to be so focused on Doug Yeah. Um, I it even sort of made me start thinking about, the Narrow Mine area because we've got some people that travel to Pals here, um, so we start. We've started looking at setting up a group there. So there was things, but the biggest thing obviously is I had to. I went online with the help of you guys, and um, and I focused on my gifts of grace and getting those set up, and basically that has now given me a. a what would you call it, a base to jump from, like I can always work from that website now. Yeah. Um, I always tell people their website
0: is like their house. Yeah. And I talk about all sorts of other marketing and it's all like I'm going out to the shop so I'm going to get a coffee and that's what all these other pieces of marketing are but you're always going to come back to your home. Yeah. I think your website is your home. Yeah, and it has made a huge difference
1: in this COVID community because this COVID – mentality because I I, fe- I struggled between, oh, well, I need to use this time to spend it with Jock because this is, I'm never going to get this time back with him. Um, and we tried to enjoy every day, but, oh, my God, it's so hard to keep a two-and-a-half-year-old firecracker. You Jock know, is very nice. hard. <laughs>
0: and, um, you know, and also my business is starting to do well and I had to scale that back. Like, it just... And yes. it's disheartening. I mean, yeah. there are a lot of people who are sort of at, I want to say, the peak of the mountain as in they were just getting to this good place that they wanted yes. to be and it feels like you've gone back yeah. and you've got to build back up and it's yeah. hard. So I,
1: COVID looked like building my website, um, getting my gifts of grace ready to launch, which they've now been launched. Um, which is just one of the most exciting things I've ever done because I'm a Taurus and I like giving gifts and I like getting gifts. So it's it's huge for me. It's your, what do they call it, the um, your love language. Yes. It yeah. Is. It's my, my main love language. Um, and it But it was also practising what I preach and pulling back from social media and pulling back to myself and my son and my husband and um, being at home and, I started focusing, I had to focus back on nutrition and things like that. So um, I had to practice what I preached and, I,
0: and pulled back and did that as well. So then, off the back of all of that, mm. what is next for you? In theory, <laughs> we are coming out of restrictions and yeah. things are improving. Yes. As we record this conversation as Victoria's gone back into lockdown. So Yes. So um, as I mentioned, I've just released a comfort
1: and connection program. So that's A six-week program of being able to um, connect with me, work through any grief, and come out with some simple, practical tools for coping. Um, It's an amazing program. I'm very, very proud of it, but I am full until about November at the moment is the next intake.
0: How incredible.
1: Yeah, it's really exciting. It's amazing. I hadn't even launched it, and I had two clients, and I was that excited about it. So, um, it's it's a lovely program and really great for people who just want to talk to someone but also want some practical tools yeah they want to move forward they're, they're at that place where they feel like they want to release some stuff and and find that light and get moving um, so I've just released that I'm about to release a new gift collection in the next fortnight wow so that's exciting um, and the biggest thing is our addition to our family coming in the next month, <laughs> next two months. Which I'm so, so excited Yeah, for end of next month. Jock's so, going to be a big brother. Yes, he is. And he's very excited about it. But part of that addition is that, so I don't remember much of Jock's pregnancy because it was not long after I lost Edward that I fell pregnant with Jock. I was still working. I was stressed to the max. And I said, that's it, I'm selling. And I actually don't remember the pregnancy. Um, and I had to do a lot of work to get back into the hospital, you know, hypnosis and all sorts of practitioners helping me there. But with this pregnancy after loss, I am trying to observe the journey a little bit better. Um, Has it been hard? Yeah, we spoke about. it. It's been okay. This pregnancy's been okay. Um, I mean, I didn't... I'm very good at self-isolating. I'm a lost mum. I say it's our jam. We're very good at it. But um, COVID helped anyway. <laughs> so we kind of cheated out of three months in the middle there, didn't we? So, yes. Um, but I am noticing language towards lost mums, especially from health professionals, that I want to explore more. Um, and all the experiences that come with With pregnancy after loss and parenting after loss, so that I can be supportive in that area too, Um, because I've pretty much winged it with
0: poor little Jock. Like it's just, we've done an incredible job. (laughs) So, I'm actually sad that he's not here. Like I know we couldn't have had him here for the podcast. He would have said some great things. He's like a psychotic parrot on your shoulder (laughs) at the moment. I love that you. We're gonna have that on audio. Loop, all right. um, but he's just such a little joy when he, he comes is. into the office. Like yeah. he is like a little ball of light in himself. Yeah. He
1: is. He's a very special little kid and he's um, but yeah, he is a proper rocket, that is for sure. And I don't know, I wish I could absorb his energy. I think he just
0: absorbs yours. Yes. Well. <laughs> okay, so I always finish off with two sentences um, that I'm hoping you can finish for me. So, my favourite experience with a resilient regional business has been. So, um, I have so much admiration and respect. I know
1: everyone has trouble with this question because there's so many business, including your own, that helped me through that COVID, you know, um, helped me survive ISO, basically, and, and find purpose and meaning through those few months. But I have to say the exchange Um, I had started in that community. I was just really building up a great process. What's the word? I was going there every week. Routine. "Routine." That's the word. I I had this great routine started. Things were snowballing and getting really great, and then our rug got pulled, the COVID rug got pulled out from under our feet. Um, But they found a way to keep us as part of of the community, and I felt like I was at least checking in. Each week, it's such an sort of incredible thing.
0: thing to have here in Dubbo. Yeah. That, and again, it's not. And when I spoke with Jill a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the fact that it's so much more than a building. Yeah. Like it's actually, it's a, it's it a good is community. Yeah.
1: yeah, it absolutely is. And um, I even drive past it now and think, oh, I wish I could go in and do a day's <laughs> work in there. Um, but I can't today's job day or whatever. But. It's just, it is, Jock would make so many friends if you took him in. I know, but he would annoy everyone that's trying to do some work. So I would have to say they, the way they flipped everything online and helped us remain part of the community whilst we couldn't actually visit the building really helped
0: me. Amazing. Yeah. So the last one, if people take one thing away from this episode, I hope they remember. I'm cheating. I'm going to tell you two. Okay. <laughs> Everyone does. No one ever answers these questions with a sentence. No. It's the most, um, I don't know what the term is, the I mean, most misleading <laughs> way for me to introduce it because yeah. it's never a sentence. It's going to be two things. That's fine. So the first thing is you're not
1: alone. Um, and your loss, and to my baby loss family, your babies, no matter how small, matters. Um, and also you matter. So yes, your loss matters, and you matter. But the second thing I want people to take away from that is um, if your family, friend, loses a baby, just educate yourself. And don't be afraid to get in touch with them somehow. They may not answer your phone call, they probably don't have the energy to do that, but they believe believe you me, they know that you rang, and that you tried, or they know that you texted, or they know that, um you know you've somehow tried
0: to get in touch with them saying something is better than saying nothing yeah yeah wonderful. but get educated on what to say yeah when it happens thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story. Thank it's you. been wonderful it's been great thanks alex that is a wrap on another episode of step pivot and i'm so grateful that rochelle could join us and share her story today Um, it was just incredible. If you would like to find out more about Rochelle and the work she does, you can follow her on Facebook or Instagram, Rochelle Olsen Wellbeing, or of course you can jump onto her website, rowellbeing.com. We're going to be taking a short break from Step Pivot. Um, We've taken on board your feedback and have had a few little technical issues, so I have some wonderful new gear on its way that's really going to um, get the vocals up to let's say a professional standard um and make our interviews hopefully even more engaging for you guys so bear with me for the next couple of weeks while that equipment arrives and we get set up and lock in some new interviews and then we will be back and fingers crossed bigger than ever but thank you for your ongoing support and i'll speak to you soon